Yes, we welcome you inside another edition of the show. Power Talk of Muncie, the new WMUN. Glad you're with us on the program today. Uh, what an interesting day, huh? Anybody else out there have uh, AT&T as their service? Yeah, waking up this morning and realizing, oh, hey, if you want to do those phone calls that you normally do in your car on the way to different appointments and stuff, well, you're going to have to use your desk phone. So literally today, in my 10 years here at Wolf Boom Radio, I have had at my desk a desk phone. I think I have maybe had an outside phone call with somebody less than 10 times so and and I can't remember actually dialing out to somebody else so literally today I had a I had an 11 o'clock appointment and it was over the phone talking through some different details and stuff and about 1059 I realized I didn't know how to dial off my uh, desk phone. <laughs> so I'd ask somebody behind me, hey, how do you dial? Oh, you have to press 9 first. Gotcha. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So that's that. Oh, it's rainy. Um, I was trying to get some tickets for my wife to one of her favorite bands. It didn't happen. But all is good in the world. Services back, you know, pre uh, the pre-sale, the, the, the regular sale for said tickets is tomorrow. There's still seats available. We're going to get right on that, make sure that happens. And I guess we're going to get pretty good weather at some point. So, hey, you know, it's all looking up. There's a bright side to everything. Welcome into the show. Power Talk of Muncie, the new WMUN. George Brimmer from the Herald Bulletin is going to join us coming up at 425. He normally joins us on Friday, but we are uh, busy tomorrow. Have a lot to touch on tomorrow. Uh, so we're going to have George today. I think it's perfect timing because um, we won't have a ton of time to discuss the Indianapolis Colts over the next several days with college basketball, high school basketball, um, just a lot of different topics that we have to cover over the next several days. So uh, George is with us today, and we'll talk franchise tag, and we'll talk a lot of different things. Ball State women's basketball wins last night, 78-54, another just um, there have been so many moments this year that a game for Ball State women's basketball has shifted in one quarter. In this case, it was right at the start of the game, outscoring Central Michigan 23-8. to They also were plus 10 in the second quarter, so they had a 20-point lead heading to halftime and were able to maintain that and continue to grow their lead as uh, as the game went on as well. Ball State wins by 24 points. And now you get to shift your focus to what is Saturday as Ball State will uh, battle with Toledo. And that is a rematch of the top two teams in the Mid-American Conference. And in a lot of ways, it could decide the number one seed in the Mid-American Conference. Now, Kent State might have something to say about that as well. A game back of Ball State and Toledo um, as well. But, you know, after these two teams played on national television, what was that about a month ago? Maybe a little bit less than that. It was almost a, hey, that's great, the first matchup. Ball State played very well. Both teams, by the way, are 12-1 and 1 
and uh, oh, Kent State lost. Well, there you go. So it really is the separation between the top two teams in the Mid American Conference in women's basketball, Ball State and Toledo. So this this one on Saturday could decide the number one seed in the Mid American Conference tournament because uh, Kent State lost. Kent State was only a game back of those two. Now they are ten and three. Ball State and Kent State are both twelve and one. So last time Toledo and Ball State played uh, was um, about three and a half four weeks ago and that was a win for Ball State 65-51 on national television it really wasn't even particularly close the difference is you go on the road this time so two o'clock on Saturday and um, you know you never want to look ahead especially when you have a midweek game well now that you took care of that and you not only took care of it you did so in rather uh, impressive fashion you can shift your focus over to Saturday and uh, you know Toledo's ready for that one too um, this isn't just 12, two 12-1 12 teams in Mid-American Conference play. It's also a combined record this season of 43-7. and seven. These two teams have combined to win over 20 games with five games to play in conference play and the combination of losses, seven. By the way, to show you how good these two teams are, of overall records in Mid-American Conference play, the only other team that is in single digits as far as overall losses this season is Kent State at 15-8. If you combined Ball State and Toledo's losses, it would still be less than Kent State's overall losses at 8. Combined, Ball State and Toledo have 7. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I'm not very good at math. Um, sometimes I'm not very smart, but in this case, I know that that's pretty good. <laughs> so that is, that is incredibly good. So Ball State Toledo coming up on Saturday uh, should be a great matchup coming that way as well. Indiana Pacers back in action tonight. We will uh, touch on that a little bit later on. So um, I jumped in the studio today, not literally, but walked in and uh, jumped in the seat. And I had a topic planned for conversation today. And full disclosure, um, you know, every once in a while I have a chance to tune in to Fox Sports Radio and what's being talked about and, and whatnot. And I kind of just did a sigh because my topic today of bringing it up in what I call my opening segment of the show that we always keep open for conversation like this um, was – a little similar, and so I was listening to what they were talking about, Cavino and Rich in for uh, uh, Colin Cowherd and uh, their topic of conversation here. But, th- but this hit me the other day. Here we go. You know, I feel like I open up these segments sometimes when this, this hit me the other day, and I can imagine somebody sitting back in their seat and saying, oh, here, go, here, here goes Mark again. Yeah, here, here I go again, okay? So... This topic can be applied to collegiate sports. It can kind of go to uh, professional sports for sure. In some cases, there's hype built up for high school players as well. We, we, we know that there's certain players that you learn about in middle school and say, oh, hey, they're coming. You know, and, and, and this is not a criticism. This is kind of the way it goes, Okay. Do you ever sit back and think about how many players, either when they're drafted, when they're recruited, or when they hit the high school realm or whatever the case may be, and the hype, how many times does the hype match 
the actual production. And it made me think about that over the last couple of days, and I wanted to find the time to bring this up, and maybe this would take over a show sometime in June and July when we you know, can have topics in long form like this. But it makes me think there are really two players, maybe three, that I can think of professionally that they still get criticized, don't get me wrong, they still get analyzed, and unfairly so, but they're the top of the top players. You know, it, it, it's, it's amazing. Uh, Tom Brady, Michael Jordan, LeBron James. I mean, from the hype, and again, Tom Brady's a whole different example, but as far as a decorated career, you can't really find a lot of flaws. You just can't. Now, from a player that had hype to realizing it to success to greatness, there's nobody from a resume standpoint on the floor how you feel about that than LeBron James. I mean, from the hype of being on the front cover of Sports Illustrated to the end of it, it is, it's really, really something. And let me bring it up this way as well, collegiately as well. How many times do we hear about these massive wins in recruiting classes? It's why at signing day, look, that is a time for coaches and and teams to feel like, hey, their hard work was realized. But as far as the coverage from the outside media of where your, uh, you know, how many stars a player is in the collective recruiting class where it's rated in, I don't know, the Power Five or the Mid-American Conference or whatever the case may be, um, I try to pay small attention to that because especially in the Mid-American Conference because again some of these three-star players we don't know about and they end up being great they end up being better than some of these five stars that go to Alabama and and elsewhere because every year there's a grouping of five-star players that get recruited I don't know where these stars come from to be totally honest with you and on the bigger stage those players of the power fives are looking to transfer to another level because they couldn't play at that level why are you bringing this up mark because the fact of the matter is we don't celebrate or aptly uh, put into perspective greatness or really good play like amazing enough nationally now around here around the state of indiana maybe we don't feel this way but peyton manning got criticized a lot Peyton Manning redefined the quarterback position. He just did. He made things possible for today's generation, and I specifically think of Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he made things possible for Tom Brady before Tom Brady even, you know, took a snap. And yet there's still criticism there because there absolutely is no perfect athlete. There's no perfect resume or so be it. I mean, honestly, what Patrick Mahomes just did by winning another Super Bowl puts into question whether uh, we, we thought a couple of years back Tom Brady was untouchable. It's not looking so much that way because Patrick Mahomes is halfway to where the pace was for Tom Brady. But we are so quick to not enjoy, but to analyze and criticize. And it's at every level. I mean, you know, those that are in the high school basketball or high school football circles or whatever the case may be, from a young man or young lady realizing the hype in middle school to high school, 
it doesn't happen as much as you think. Just like the percentage of five-star athletes that ultimately, I don't know, throw for 7,000 yards and become the number one draft pick. It is amazing. When you look back, like if you were to go back 10 years and look at the top 50 players that were recruited in high school football that year and match them up with the draft picks in the NFL, the percentage is interesting. Now, a lot of those players will get drafted. A lot of those players don't do a whole heck of a lot. And why I'm bringing this up today, it's, you know, we're, we're getting to the moments in some of these sports where the baton is being passed. You know, from Tom Brady to Patrick Mahomes. At some point, LeBron James will pass the torch in the NBA. And just like Michael Jordan passed it to Shaq and Kobe or whatever the case may be, and I don't want this to be just a national conversation because guess what? We are just as guilty um, in Indiana with the two professional sports franchises and college basketball, which, by the way, um, I guess some of this could be applied to Indiana, who has five stars and four stars. Well, how's it working out for them? I don't know when the last time that Purdue had a five-star athlete. Uh, they seem to be doing pretty well. Again, I don't want to get into those specific details, but oftentimes we are so quick to criticize even in moments of mass success. And you know what? You know what profession has fueled that? It's been shows like this. So I don't want to say that, you know, I'm trying to be the, the, the guy that changes the narrative on all of this because, quite frankly, sports talk radio and, and social media have stirred all this up. But if we can acknowledge that and kind of understand <laughs> that that stuff is happening, you know, the high tank oriented related stuff, like, again, um, I know that LeBron James is polarizing. I'm talking on the floor. On the floor, his resume is pretty darn good. Michael Jordan's is pretty darn good. Tom Brady's is pretty darn good. Pretty much everybody else, there's flaws. There's, there's not really a perfect resume, all things considered. You know, how do we define greatness and analyze greatness? You know, I've been critical of Andrew Luck in the past. He didn't play long enough, you know. From, you know, if you were to look at the years of Andrew Luck, and look at not only did you not get to a Super Bowl, you didn't win an AFC championship, and then six, seven years down the road, it's over. You got to be real about that. That's being accurate. But at the same time, recognizing greatness, you know, we, we, we do so many things to try to cut it down. And you know what brought this, you know, brought this conversation up to me? It's the, um, I guess Johnny Manziel has had some comments in the media. And, you know, we, sports media, and I guess Johnny Manziel himself did himself a disservice, but at the same time, sports media didn't help either. Tim Tebow, same thing. I mean, we, we, want, to, we want to crown people before they ever, ever really accomplish something because in this business, if you're first, that's the, the most valuable tactic, I guess. I don't subscribe to that. We try to be real. But it made me think it from a different angle, not to bring up a Johnny Manziel topic on the show today, but I, I sat back when I watched that, when I uh, watched the little segment and read the quote, I guess, about... The flip side of that, not the ones we coordinate, because I could I could do that all day long. I could say ex-athlete is going to be the greatest we've ever seen and, you know, promote the heck out of that, make a brand out of that if I wanted to. 
But how about be being accurate? That's that's a lot more fun to to some people, I guess. Anyway, we're not going to go into the hot take stuff. But anyway, it made me think of the opposite where even the greatest athletes we've seen in certain sports or some of the best players we've seen around here in college or high school or whatever the case may be that look at what they came in as hype and what they actually produced and then compare that with the athletes that have really accomplished a lot yet we criticize because you want to have something to talk about and something to pick at it happened to Patrick Mahomes all year long. That, that's why I was so on that story and told you from the start back in December, be careful before you knock that dude down. What do you do? He won a Super Bowl. With his worst numbers as a quarterback, who the heck cares? But you know what's going to happen with him? They are going to go back to this past Super Bowl and mention, well, yeah, he won the third Super Bowl, but really it was because of the defense. So you're going to qualify it because you don't want to be wrong. You're out there saying, oh, the Chiefs are dead. Then they win the Super Bowl. Ah, you know, but, hey, remember, the, the defense was really great. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't see the, uh, the, the, the defense being the one that uh, got him in position to tie the game. I didn't see the defense being the one that, uh, oh, I don't know, drove 75 yards with a drive to win the game with a touchdown at the end of the game in overtime. But, hey, you do what you do. Golly, this business does a great job of just cutting down great stuff, cutting down great stories. And, you know, if we truly sat back and realized how much we criticize and and we, we cut down really good stuff in sports, my, my goodness, that takes away from the enjoyment, does it not? Because I think at the end of the day, we should. It, it, the, the Super Bowl with San Francisco and Kansas City was described as boring when ultimately, if you looked at the beginning of the season, those were the two best teams in their respective conferences, and yet we were disappointed with that because it's not a fresh new story and we want to analyze, oh, Mahomes has been there too much. Oh, you know what, to me, I like great stories. I like greatness. I like watching the best do what they do. But I I don't know if we have a craving for that in this sports society, whatever the case may be. But anyway, I'm a little all over the place. I understand that. (laughs) But, you know, with Johnny Manziel's quote, which some of you may have seen it, whatever, sorry that I never lived up to what people thought I could be. Um, I don't know if it was genuine and just a conversation. I don't know. But... It truly made me think, how many, how, many, how many athletes do we say, hey, just wait till they come? I mean, they're going to hit it big. Oh, my goodness. And how many actually make it? There was, all, there was a commercial back in the day, and I wish it was still there, about how many high school athletes would ultimately end up playing Division I sports and how many of those Division I athletes would actually make it to the professional level in their respective leagues. I wish I could find that statistic, but it'll show you the small percentages there. What that didn't take into account is, hey, the star that was high school to the star that was college to the star that was in the NFL, you, you can't ever measure that, but that is a... It's not even a percentage point. It's probably hard to measure. But oftentimes in sports, we do far more criticizing and analyzing than we do truly enjoying greatness. And I'm talking about every level. And you know what? That's kind of straight at you, the fans, in a way. 
some of that chatter. It's us in sports media, too. I say us because I'm a part of sports media, even though I, I truly believe our show does it differently, and we hope that we always do it differently. But ultimately, I think we do far more criticizing than we do enjoying the great moments in sports. But, hey, who, who am I here to, to talk about? I don't know. Uh, thanks to those of you joining us on Facebook Live. I bet you didn't tune into the show today to think you were going to hear that conversation today. But, you know, it, it happens way too much. It does. It, it happens way too much. So I'm here to hopefully pioneer something different. How about that? It's good stuff. All right. Um, when we come back, George Brimmer from the Herald Bulletin is going to talk uh, some Colts football. Again, the situation surrounding Michael Pittman Jr. with the Indianapolis Colts. We'll get into that when we return. Power Talk on CWMUN. Yes, welcome back inside the program. Power Talk of Muncie, the new WMUN, as always, brought to you by Walls Furniture and Mattress, Nebo Road, right here in Muncie and online at wallsfurniture.com. 90% of what's on the showroom for in stock for you, 48 hours or less. New trends and styles swapped out daily on their showroom floor, Nebo Road in Muncie. That's the location. And you can shop, browse, anything online, wallsfurniture.com as I knocked my microphone out of the way. It, it, it might just be I get so darn excited to talk about Walls Furniture and Mattress because I did that yesterday. There you go. Walls Furniture and Mattress, Nebo, Rudimonsi, online, wallsfurniture.com. Welcoming in George Bremer from the Herald Bulletin. It's Thursday. No, it's not Friday. We've done Friday for so many weeks, George. Some people might think it's the weekend, but hey, I don't want to throw them off, George. Welcome in. How's it going? Going well. It is easy to kind of lose track. That's one of the things once football ends. It's such a regimented schedule for me. I know, like, you know, okay, Wednesday <laughs> means this. Thursday means that. As soon as that's gone, you're just kind of out, you know, free-falling. It, it, it takes a while to adjust. So, as a sports writer that covers a football team, how did this past Sunday go for you? <laughs> what do you do on Sunday now, George? Yeah, to see your family. It's kind of a nice, <laughs> nice change of pace. Take a little bit of a of a breather and uh, get out and and see the rest of the world. But yeah, well, and you know, it, it doesn't last long, right? I mean, combines right around the corner. Yeah, no question. Uh, no question about it. Um, I think, um, and I'm curious about this because we explained the different scenarios with franchise tags yesterday. Now, I think the rest of the NFL got more familiar with the exclusive, non-exclusive franchise tag when it you know, was occurring with Lamar Jackson last year. Just feels like when there's you know big names, especially when it's a quarterback like that, you start to get more familiar with that. So the best you understand it, the two decisions on franchise tags the Colts would have with Michael Pittman Jr. exclusive, non-exclusive, which route seems like the more likely fit? Uh, probably not because you still have the ability to match any deal. So, I mean, really, as you said, you know, people learned a lot about this last year with the Lamar Jackson situation. Really, the only difference between those two tags, besides the fact that the exclusive tag is a, is a higher number, is that the other teams can't make offers. Um, even if they do, though, you know, that offer comes back. The 
I guess call it the home team, for lack of a better term, uh, has the opportunity to match it. So I think most teams go that non-exclusive route. Uh, really, the only times you, you see them going exclusive is you know something like uh, Drew Brees used to get the exclusive tag from New Orleans every year there, where it felt like they tagged him you know year after year, where there's just no chance the team's going to let them go under any circumstances. Those are pretty rare. I mean, a lot of times you can use that non-exclusive tag to let other teams do the job for you. If they want to go out and make the uh, you know, get a contract done with Michael Pittman and the Colts say, hey, that looks pretty good, you can just match it and you know, it's, it's some work off your shoulders. Um, would that, because, you know, I, I know how, how some fans might think about this when it's not exclusive and then, you know, some team out there, uh, you know, throws a ridiculous offer out there and the Colts are like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, like they're getting what exactly what Michael Pittman Jr. is asking for, which I imagine is part of the reason why he hasn't been extended is because both of the sides are not necessarily on the same page, that that would you know, freak out fans because he's more valuable to this team than anything else. What do you say to those fans, George? It's all part of the process. I think that this time of year is almost terrible to be fan in some ways because you know, things are happening and it feels like they're all in a vacuum, but they're not. So, you know, one move's going to happen over here and, and everyone's going to say, wait, how can, how can they let that guy go? Or, you know, once free agency starts here in a couple of weeks, why would they sign this person? And then you hope by the time the draft's done and, and everybody's on the field for preseason work uh, or off-season work, you at least have an, a picture of how it all comes together. I think the, the franchise tag is sort of like that. You know, the, the non-exclusive tag, if that's the one he gets, will definitely cause panic. But, look, even if he goes in that situation, you get to first-round picks. So there's, there's a lot of reason to place that particular tag on him. But most teams don't lose a player in that situation. Because, for one thing, as much as, you know, home fans will worry about well, if he's non-exclusive, you know, what if there's a poison pill in there, which is going to be tough to do. The Colts have a lot of salary cap money, too. So so that it'll be difficult to make a contract that's hard for them to match. Uh, but even if that happens, you know, you, you do have the fallback. But also, as I'm rambling here, uh, I think one of the big things is it, it – other teams sometimes are a little bit discouraged by that two first round pick number because right. it's, it's a lot of it, it's a big ask. I mean, if you're another team, you're not only paying this receiver really good money, I would imagine, if it's something you expect him to be able to accept, and you're also giving up two first round picks, that will scare off some suitors. So it is non exclusive, but I don't know if it's quite as, as scary as the proposition as maybe it sounds on paper. It's George Brimmer from the Herald Bulletin with us. Power Talk Amongst the new WMUN as we talk Colts each and every week with George. Okay, the next question would be this. Um, should fans look at it this way, that this next week and a half is their best opportunity to get a long-term deal done? Does that likelihood drop once the Colts say, yep, couldn't get a long-term deal done, non-exclusive franchise tag, and it's over? Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think the way Ballard's operated, he usually plays a long game. So I think if they do tag him, uh, the next date's really in June, I believe, it, when they have to have a – once you, you have that tag in, you've got till June, like, 8th, somewhere in that neighborhood, to sign a long-term deal. And I think both Ballard and uh, Pittman kind of hinted at it during their, their postseason pressers that, you know, that's probably a route that, that they'll go. I mean, I do think the Colts aren't going to want to just – 
have him for one year. There just isn't somebody else lined up where you feel like give Michael Pittman another year and, and this person will be ready to take over. And so I think both sides are going to be, you know, he obviously wants a long-term deal because every player does. You want that security. I think the Colts are going to want a long-term deal as well because you want to be able to, to give Anthony Richardson that security bucket. Have him know, okay, this is your number one receiver and he's going to be here for, you know, the next four or five years, whatever it is. I think June, once that tag comes, I think June will become the the, the date to really keep your eye on. Have the Colts put themselves in a position where, um, well, I, I think we, I think we both know that they're in a position where they really don't have a choice but to tag him, unless you feel confident you could let him go, go get one of the top receivers on the market there. But is this, is the way this worked out good for the Colts? or good for Michael Pittman Jr.'s future, whether it's with them or not, for him to get that long-term deal? Your thoughts on that? I think a little bit of both. I think from the Colts' standpoint, getting Taylor done last year was huge because now you don't have both those contracts sitting out there and you're not trying to decide which of them tag. And, you know, you've already got the extension done with Jonathan Taylor, so now you can just focus on Pittman uh, as far as the offense goes. There's a lot of of guys on defense, too, that we've talked about the last couple weeks that are going to come into play here. But from an offensive standpoint, you can just focus on Pittman getting that deal done and move forward. I think if you're Pittman, most guys honestly don't want to move in free agency. I mean, their their initial – uh, you know, decision is, is usually stay where they are. I mean, they've got families usually by the time that first contract comes up, they've, they've established roots in the community. And so most players would rather just get a long-term deal where they are. Obviously, there's situations where things are going really terrible, uh, where the fit's not right, where the team's not winning. That's not the case here. So I think if you're Michael Pittman, you know, and he's spoke about it already, he said, you know, franchise tag in some ways is, is kind of a sign of respect. You know, when, when they give you that that tag, it, it tells you that they, they really think a lot of you. So I think he's in a good spot because either way, he's going to get paid. I mean, he's in the best spot here. He's either going to get a long-term deal here in Indy or he's going to play on a franchise tag and, and have a chance to do it all again next year or he's going to end up somewhere else with, with a really long-term deal. And I think the Colts – are not in a bad spot either because, again, I think getting Jonathan Taylor done last year makes this process easier for them. So, um, and you might have just mentioned it there, Colts can franchise tag him this year and next. Is that correct? Yeah, I think I think they got rid of the third year. Used to be able to do it three years. I think they got rid of that. Next year gets a lot more expensive, though. So there's there's definitely incentives for the team to get it taken care of, you know, with that first one. Really – the way the franchise tag is supposed to work, it, it's kind of been distorted because, you know, you've seen situations all over the league where it becomes a really aggressive and, and you know, con- there's a lot of conflict sometimes when this comes up. The way it's supposed to work is just what we were talking about earlier. Put that non-exclusive tag on, let the players see what else is out there, then the team can match it if they want. If not, they've got to give up the two first-round picks. But when you get that deal done for the one-year deal, the idea is you're supposed to be working to to sign in the long-term deal. And I think the teams are the reason that that's kind of gotten disordered. You know, too many of them have taken this as, hey, just let's just go with a series of one-year contracts. I think that's where you start to alienate your player, and, and you know that can get ugly fast. 
What, 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 what does your dog think? Is Michael Pittman Jr. coming back? He's very upset about <laughs> franchise tag in general. You know, he wants to see he wants to see free agency unfettered. He he doesn't want restrictions on this thing. <laughs> uh, great thoughts. I mean, we might have to have a, a dual uh, a dual reporter conversation uh, with both of you moving forward. I love it. Um, <laughs> um, he's got, he's- on everything <laughs> he's got yeah we we all know pets have the most opinions of any of us so that's for sure it's george brimmer from the herald bulletin covers the colts okay um what's the number we're talking about with michael pittman jr do we know the exact number that's associated here it, it's not there yet uh should be sometime next week it's usually during the combine they'll set the the salary cap number officially for the year uh i think it's usually like that tuesday that first day of, of the combine uh, that will give us the idea of all the franchise tags. Right now, the estimated number on the non-exclusive tag is around 21.6. So, you know, you're probably looking at between 20 and 25. Uh, that's where the market is right now for wide receivers. And I would imagine somewhere that's where, you know, a long-term deal is going to come in. That's just sort of like Ballard said, you know, after the season, it, it's – if gas is a certain price, you need gas in your car, you got to pay it. Receivers are at that point right now. You know, the, that's, the, that's the number. Uh, if you want to keep your wide receiver, that's the number you got to get to. And I believe the number, um, as fans have kind of gone around on this, the number that the Colts have available cap space is $75 million. So if the cap number is 21 compared to 25, you're talking about almost a third of your cap uh, number would go to Michael Pittman Jr. Oh, by the way, you got Kenny Moore, Grover Stewart, etc. There, and so um, it, it's interesting because obviously you would want to do a long-term deal if you're the Colts, but maybe get that cap hit number down so it allows you to be, um, you know, uh, to, to to make more moves. But um, I, I think that puts into perspective just how much is, this is going to eat up the cap, George. Oh, absolutely. You know, and if you get another one of those guys done together, they'll probably be close to, to half that money. Uh, that's one of those things. Those numbers look really big when, when you see that, that cap, you know, this time of year, but it goes quickly. It disappears really fast on you. Uh, but I do think that's another reason the Colts have incentive, like I said before, to, to get that long-term deal done. Uh, you, you definitely want to know that, that you've got this weapon in your offense you know, for a finite amount of time and in, in more than a year. But, yeah, you can spread that number out a little bit better. You can you can move the numbers around. You know, you've seen those contracts. One year's really big, another year's smaller. You know, they kind of take turns. Pittman's big hit is this year. Kenny Moore's is next year. That That's the way these things work. Uh, but it's also why it takes time because you've got to sit down and, and work through all these details individually with each player and, you know, some of the guys during that process are going to decide maybe maybe the grass is greener somewhere else. We had asked, and we, we had a long discussion about this, you and I, a couple of weeks ago about the core players and identifying your role players, and that's ultimately where you take your biggest jumps when you identify who your role players are. Maybe they're not the guys that get the most headlines. But let's think of it from a different perspective, George, and that is 
Are the Colts going to have to let some of these core guys, the names that regional fans know, maybe not national fans know, in order to get better so you don't have to give that cap number there and you can truly make upgrades, whether it's, let's just take, for example, Julian Blackman. If you feel like you can get a better safety out there and have to let Blackman go, do you get better there or, you know, you let Blackman go and you upgrade at wide receiver and get a real true number two? Should the Colts really look at that route a route that obviously they really haven't done they've been so focused on their own yeah I think that's going to be a big part of this I mean Ballard hinted it you know that they might be a little more active this year we'll see how that turns out uh it feels like every year he sort of he says that every year right (laughs) uh is and and then it turns out to be pretty close to to how it's always been he's always going to be really picky in in free agents I think we know that he's one of those guys that feels like uh, really top-tier talent is is very seldom out there, and there are a few guys that, that he's going to feel like are worth the money in free agency. So I think that's never going to change. But I think, you know, even without the outside factor, one of the most intriguing parts of this is what decisions do they make on, on you know, free agents they have. He's already said that, that they really want to bring Grover Stewart back and, and Pittman back so we can – kind of assume that they're leaning that way with those two, but what does that mean for Kenny Moore? What does it mean for Julian Blackman? It's hard to imagine all four of those guys coming back. Right. And Rigoberto Sanchez is a, is a free agent as well, and you know he's a punter who's meant a lot to this organization. Is he a guy who maybe ends up not uh, getting a deal done because they're trying to – exactly what you're talking about. They're trying to find somewhere to save some money. Uh, and that's why the draft becomes such a big part of this, too, because obviously that's where you get the inexpensive talent to come in here and, and fill some holes. So, uh, once again, I think it's interesting because, you know, last year everything was so laser-focused. Quarterback, head coach, these are the important things. they got to get these two things right. And really the entire offseason was, was built around that. This year you feel like those two positions are, are filled and, and you're good with those two spots. But there's so much intrigue now because they, they have so many different paths that they can take. Yeah, and there's only a few of them that um, seem to really pay big dividends. So we get done with um, the franchise tag-related things in a week and a half. When does the re-signing period occur? Or are, we in, are we in that period right now? Yeah, it could happen any any point now. Um, you'll start to see that usually right coming right out of the combine. You've got that week basically between the end of the combine and the and the start of open free agency, and a lot of times deals get done during that period because teams are now you know deadlines spur action, right? I mean, all all over the place, and teams are now facing that okay. If we don't get a deal done by Tuesday, they can talk to outside people. So you start really making serious offers then, and you know, and you start to gauge how badly does this guy want to be here, how badly does he want to test the market. We've seen the Colts several times go into free agency and, and leave guys out there, uh, and it's worked both ways. I mean, they, they lost to Nico Autry that way. They brought guys back like EJ Speed that way. Uh, so, you know, Really, those first two weeks of March are where you usually see most of those re-signings happen. George Brimmer from the Herald Bulletin covers the Colts, joins us each and every week, but also uh, covers local high school uh, athletics as well. Um, The team in your area most likely to win a sectional championship in boys basketball is who next week? 
man, that's a tough one. I I, I would go with Liberty Christian uh, just because the field, the way it's set up there, Liberty Christian and Daleville, uh, probably, well, and Cowan gets in there too. I mean, it, it, there's so many right. uh, really good sectionals around. But I, I would probably lean towards Liberty Christian. I tell you, the team that I think people need to pay attention to is LaPel. Yeah. They've won 17 of 18. They've got tipped in tonight, the number one team in 2A. Uh, Wapahani's a great team. That should be an outstanding game. And then don't sleep on Anderson. That that sectional feels pretty wide open. Greenfield's undefeated. So there's four or five teams that could win that, and the Indians are definitely in that mix. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think Wapahani fans are, uh, which we we cover their games as well, uh, are are looking, and that's the draw, which where you wish those teams might have been on opposite ends, but uh, it certainly provides a lot of urgency with that game number one on uh, on on Wednesday, Lapel and Wapahani. That's going to be a heck of a game. It could be one of the better games in the state that night. I mean, it, yeah. it's definitely worthy of a sectional final uh and you know good little rivalry there too they seem to play each other every year uh you love this time of year with high school basketball right there, there's nothing better oh it doesn't get any better than this george bremer from the herald bulletin with us uh, usually joins us on fridays with us on this thursday hey thanks my friend uh, have a great rest of your uh, week and we'll talk to you next week no problem you too man that's uh, george bremer from the herald bulletin with us, standing work as always. He's great. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, briefly talk on the Pacers as we close up a Thursday show after this. Anybody else feel like this week has just blown by? Kind of feels that way. Power Talk of Muncie. The new WMUN is always brought to you by Sheriff Gosselin Roofing. Your roof is there to protect your family. Make sure you're doing all you can to protect them. Sheriff Gosselin Roofing has been helping families for generations. Remember to call P. Dahlia or look them up at worryfreeroof.com. Glad you're with us on the show. As always, as the Indiana Pacers, they're back. Long hiatus for the All-Star break. You know, several years back, the NBA really lengthened uh, the All-Star break to, I guess, give players more rest on top of the load management. Sorry, had to say it because it's true. Uh, but they gave them a little bit longer of an All-Star break. And so uh, Pacers back in action tonight against... <clears throat> I think the worst team in the NBA still in the Detroit Pistons. So um, we'll see what happens. But we will be talking more and more about this basketball team as they head down the stretch of the season. Again, really, uh, you've got like 25, 30 games left uh, if you're the Indiana Pacers. So um, each and every game takes on a little bit different meaning because the standings in the Eastern Conference are very, very, very tight. And uh, tonight, a great opportunity against Detroit. This is going to fall right into the middle of, uh, of what we always believe. The, the middle-to-bottom teams in the NBA are the ones that you cannot afford to lose this time of the year. Can't do it because those will hurt you. Whereas, you know, at the beginning of the year, when you have some of those, everybody does. I mean, every single team 
in the NBA has tough losses. And uh, it just so happens. So as you get towards the end of the season, um, that should be happening much less frequently. So, you know, you don't want to see losses to Detroit, losses to Charlotte, losses to, I guess the Bulls might be in there. Um, There's others across the league as well. But you can't afford those losses because by this point, the teams that are truly at the bottom of the NBA are truly at the bottom of the NBA because you are who you are 55 games, 60 games into the year. Um, So take care of the teams that you are supposed to take care of. And again, the Pacers have enough quality wins this year that you should feel confident that when they go up against the best of the best in the Eastern Conference or whatever, that they're going to hold their own. Um, I mean, the wins against Boston, Milwaukee, and Philly, and all of the top teams in the Eastern Conference should give you that confidence that there's really not a fear against those teams. It's more so when when you face the Charlottes and Detroits and the middle of the road teams have been the ones that have given the Pacers trouble as weird as that sounds. Uh, I mean, it's been a strange year in the NBA. It has. Uh, but for Indiana, again, if they want to position themselves where they feel like they should be in the Eastern Conference, it's really going to come down to you can't have those bad losses. Can't do it. So it starts tonight for Indiana against Detroit. First game out of the All-Star break. And, um, you know, this team's really going to mesh. And now the stretch run with Tyrese Halliburton, and Pascal Siakam, etc. And uh, we'll see how that all ends up playing out for the Indiana Pacers. So thanks for joining us on this Thursday edition of the program. Lots to still get to tomorrow as we preview a full basketball weekend. A big thanks to George Brimmer from the Herald Bolton for joining us. We're back with you tomorrow for a Friday show at 4. We'll talk to you then.